and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and explores how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by Mandy Abbott, a lecturer in podiatry here at GCU to talk about her experiences at the recent Commonwealth Games in Birmingham where she provided foot health to hundreds of athletes. Mandy, thank you very much for talking to me today. Oh, thanks Craig, thanks for inviting me to take part. No, that's brilliant, having caught up with you before, your time at the Commonwealth Games sounded really exciting. Could you sum up your experience there? These things don't come around very often. You know, there's not often that these games come around in your country and it's volunteering. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a paid job. So it's really got to be something that, you know, that you're able to get to and it's affordable for you to do. And thankfully, GCU are um, really good in supporting me and going to these events. It's not the first one I've been to. Um, so I was really keen to go to Birmingham since it was in the UK. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go to Australia on the last <laughs> one, which would have been lovely. But because it was nearby, I was really keen to go again. Um, I was involved. The first Commonwealth Games I was involved in was the one in Glasgow. By 2014? Uh, yeah, the 2014 one. And it was, I was the lead podiatrist for that. So I was involved in all the setting up of that of those games and the podiatry service in those, not, mm-hmm. not the actual whole games, just the podiatry service in there. So, and it was fantastic. It was a real multidisciplinary approach to the athletes. It was all about having the athletes in the middle and making sure that their journey within healthcare was paramount and, and smooth and immediate and as effective as possible. And so it was really nice to work with a sort of multidisciplinary team in setting up the medical services for the Games. And it just really gave me a real sort of want to to do another big Games. I've done other Games since then, but um, and multi-sports and athletics and things like that as well. But the Commonwealth Games, there's something about the Commonwealth Games because it's a real sort of community-type spirit around those, where the cities... It was the first time I'd felt that in Glasgow. I'm not a Glasgow lass, um, but I do live here and I've lived here for a long time. But it was the first time I really felt that Glasgow just really showed off. And I thought the people were awesome. And there was just so many people volunteering and helping and giving up their time. And not just in the medical side, you know, it was all over. The whole city kind of got involved. It was awesome. So I was a bit sort of wanting to go to Birmingham, but not quite sure if they were going to sort of hit the mark. But I have to say the whole of Birmingham just parted. They were awesome. Real feel like Glasgow, where the whole city got involved. And yeah, so it was really good fun. It was good fun to be part of it. It was hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shifts were long, and uh, because of um, the rail strikes and the usual transport issues, it made it slightly more difficult to get around. But uh, Birmingham definitely embraced the games, and, and there was a real energy about mm-hmm. the whole city, which was awesome. That's great to hear, and there's so many things about your answer there that I want to pick apart at and, and look at in more detail. But first of all, how did the opportunity come up to volunteer at it? So with these things, they're actually open. Um, so it's advertised online. Right, okay. um, so they, I mean, they need so many. Uh, so there's, you know, there's, what is it, 72 nations coming to a city. And I think in these games, they said it was the largest that they've had over right. 5,000 athletes for these games. So they, act, they, you know, with accommodation, transport links, all of that, venues, they just need so many volunteers. So actually it's online. 
Right. So it was it came up through the the Birmingham Commonwealth Games website. Uh, there's a thing that comes. So for any of anybody who's wanting to get involved in any of these volunteerings, you know, if you're wanting to do the next com- um, Olympics or whatever in France. Just go onto the website and there comes up a bit about volunteering. That must be a volunteer podiatrist, someone who lectures in podiatry, someone with your skill set must be a, a real benefit to the Commonwealth Games. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think so. <laughs> um, to be honest, it is one of these things that uh, what we find, there's some downtime. You know, you're not always, you're not busy all the time because obviously there's events, the athletes are out com- competing and things and the Athletes, the um, polyclinic within the Athletes Village is open sort of from 7 in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. So you're not busy all the way through that. So we actually do take a lot of time to do some CPD with each other. So oh, there's loads of different professions all working together. And it's a real sort of team community sort of feeling these polyclinics. And so we do do CPD. So I was teaching sort of ankle strappings and how to tape up feet and how to assess people's running or their gait or whatever so we were doing um some cpd stuff there and we had uh, radiographers and radiologists there who we could go into the ultrasound room and we could sort of scan each other and have a look and things and see and and they would teach us about some of what they were seeing on the images so so yeah from a teaching point of view you actually get to do some teaching there you get to to learn a lot from there as well but it's a lot that you can also bring back, mm-hmm. I think, into the classroom to the students at GCU is just how it, how that multidisciplinary team can really work and, and what the learnings can be from that. That was something I was going to ask you later on, but I think we might as well address it now. What lessons did you learn at the Commonwealth Games that you can subsequently bring back and pass on to your students here at the university? Well, the teamwork mm-hmm. is, is, is paramount. It's not all about what you can do. So, for example, I can inject steroids, but... For the athlete's journey, it's not always that I'm the best person to do that. For So there's sports and exercise medicine doctors there, there's radiologists there, radiographers, you know, we could do ultrasound guided or, you know, so it's not always doing what, the, just the skill set that you've got, it's about the best person who's there to do that. So it's about sharing that, that, you know, you may have a skill set, but it's about identifying within your team who's the best person to be um, treating that certain area within that athlete to make sure everybody knows. So the communication is paramount. One of the other things that's learning that a lot of people don't appreciate, when you work, say, in the NHS or even in private practice, a lot of the time we don't get the immediate care. So it's not like somebody will walk in and say, I have literally just sprained my ankle two minutes ago. I think it might be fractured. Can you tell me? You know, we tend not to get that. They tend to have seen about four or five people first and then it's not healing. Mm -hmm. So they may come to us. So with this, it's very different. So it's really around your diagnostics. It's about being able to know what tests to do, what structures, about knowing your anatomy and being really quite quick on your diagnostics so actually having those skills and having confidence in those skills and if it's not for you to know who who else to bring in uh, so I think that's one of the main learnings I would say that I would bring back to the students is it's quite different from normal practice but it's quite exciting and don't avoid it but be aware of of what's needed when you're working with these athletes yeah that's something you've, you've perhaps touched on already but what kind of service did you provide to the athletes at the Commonwealth Games So it was mainly all acute um, stuff. What what does does acute stuff mean? It means it's literally just happened. Right, okay. So we could be watching the television and we could see one of the weightlifters, say, have an an injury. Um, 
you know, there was one, an example, it didn't come to podiatry, but we saw his arm dislocate right, when he, okay. was, he was lifting for the gold medal. And we knew that he was going to be in our clinic within half an hour, and half an hour later, the guy's in our clinic. So it, it's that immediate. You see them doing it, and they're straight into your clinic. Um, they're off venue and overseeing you. So everybody's at their stations. You know, the radiologists and radiographers know that they are going to be using imaging, and you know the physios are there with the strap and all ready to go for this guy <laughs> coming in. So, so the acute is the immediacy of it, and the reason why it needs to be so quick. And why we have all those services on site is because they may need to know if they're going to be able to compete the next day. Right, OK. So, you know, they're, they're in competition. They're only there competing for, say, five days of competition or 10 days or however long their competition's on for. So they need to know, am I still able to train and compete or am I out of my games over? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why we have all these diagnostics and all these people around so that a decision can be made mm-hmm. there and then. So it's not a case of we'll refer you on to somebody <laughs> else and we'll wait until they get back mm-hmm. to us. So, so that's the sort of acute nature that, that we get. In terms of your skill set and in terms of podiatry, what was the most complex thing that you had to deal with? Or was it all just sort of fairly ordinary day-to-day things that you might see? It wasn't... I would say a lot of it wasn't day-to-day stuff because it was all acute. Mm -hmm. Of course. course. So it wasn't day-to-day stuff, but I think one of the things is is that's what makes it non-complex because there has been a mechanism of injury. Something has happened, so as long as you know your your anatomy and your structure, then it wasn't so much complex, it was more just the importance of your input um, and being there and being able to be confident in your diagnosis rather than it being anything really complex. I tend to find in clinical scenario when I get something complex, it's because somebody is maybe having a recurring injury that they're getting treated and it's not getting any better or it keeps coming back every time they're doing an activity. Mm -hmm. It keeps So that sort of repetitive or that sort of recurring injury, they can be more complex because that can be slight biomechanical differences. Mm -hmm. You find these guys are pretty much biomechanically sound. You know, they're at the fittest they can be. So it tends not to be so complex in that in that regard for us for that sort of injury. I just felt very thick when I asked that question there because <laughs> obviously it wouldn't have been complex stuff when you mentioned it, it would have been acute. But how many people would you see then on a day-to-day basis? You mentioned at some points you'd be quite busy, some points you'd be quite quiet. What was a what was a standard of number of people you'd see? Now that that really did vary throughout the competition. The athletes' village I was in. So they had split for the Birmingham Games, which is the first time they've done this. The sports were split and the right. athletes' villages were split. So there was three athletes' villages. So they were split per sport. So I was covering netball, badminton, table tennis, weightlifting and boxing. So it was really when those events were on, where it was when you were at your busiest, really. Mm-hmm. So, um, so actually it went in peaks and troughs and it was really unpredictable uh, on what you would see. But I would say on average, I would see maybe sort of five to ten a day or in a session. My right, sessions okay. were either seven in the morning till three in the afternoon or three in the afternoon till 11 o'clock at night with the shift pattern. So anywhere between five and ten, or so I would see. And Mandy, I know this Commonwealth Games was a little bit different from the ones that have come previously. Could you explain why? Yeah, so these events, um, apart from apparently being the biggest, the largest ever for the Commonwealth Games, was also that it was the first integrated event where the para-athletes were, were, their events were running alongside the main 
sort of able-bodied athlete events as well. So that's the first time that's happened. And I think that was really good for that, for um, the crowds, the people who had the tickets and everything were there to see both types and it really gave them the stage that they deserved. So I thought that was really good. And that was one of the things also when we were treating the athletes is the para-athletes were also in at the clinic alongside um, the able-bodied athletes. So it just, you know, it was that element of interest and difference there. The other thing, shout out for the women, is that they had more female events than males. So that's the first time that's happened. So there was more events for females. So yay hey to the women that were there. They were working hardest. You spent a lot of time working with athletes from poorer countries. Why was that the case? So what you find is in the Commonwealth countries, we we have a broad spectrum of wealth within yeah. those countries. And so some of them actually don't have medical services or they possibly have medical services, obviously, in their countries, but they don't have free access to them. Okay. And also their sports. Um, you can tell when you're at the games that not everybody is on an even playing field. Pardon the sports pun, but, you know, it's they're not. There's, there's some who have just got a lot of money, so there's a lot of sports um, medical people that come with them. Right. So they'll have their own sports and exercise medicine doctors. They'll have their own physios, their own sports massage therapists. Uh, so they, they have all of those with them. But there's other countries that will come maybe with one, right. you know, and they'll bring a, a physio or a doctor with them. So they don't have that access. So they use our facilities. And they're told that there are medical facilities there for them. So, I mean, we cover everything. Um, so there's GPs there for flu medication or upset tummies. There's sports and exercise medicine doctors for those, you know, who are maybe being admitted or, or sort of serious injury. So, you know, we actually cover, there's pharmacy there as well. So we have a pharmacist on site for prescribing we have opticians, dentists, you know, it's we've got all sorts of different medical professions there and they know that we're there. Uh, so the, the pressure on them to bring these medical teams also isn't there and they have mm-hmm. sort of free access to us. So they tend to come and see us for, for their um, care. And these are the ones also that, so I'm not saying that we don't see any of the big countries. So a lot of them don't take podiatrists. Podiatrists right. is maybe not somebody that's in a, a sort of normal medical team. So they may don't have a podiatrist with them, so the physio may come down with the athlete to see me as the podiatrist to say, right, okay. this guy's got a foot problem, can you have a look for me? I think this, what do you think? So, so we absolutely see them from the bigger countries, but what you find is from the poorer countries, these are the ones who come and see us and say, can you have a look and what's going on? And you'll maybe strap their ankle up. And then they'll come back that night because they'll have done their training. They'll come back to ice it and for you to restrap it. So you actually see them almost every day and maybe twice a day. So these are the ones that you have much more input to and help them through their training and their competition. Uh, so it's actually a great thing, I think, that they, they do, that they have these medical services on mm-hmm. site for them. And there was a, one of these polyclinics with, as I say, dentists, opticians, pharmacy, medicine, radiologists, radiographers, physios, sports massage therapists at each of the athletes' villages. So there was three of those set up in the city for the athletes. Uh, So it's it's an awesome setup that they have. It's all volunteers. So everybody who works there, all the professionals there have given up their time to give their services. And you tend to find that they're sponsored, like Canon sponsored the, the radiologists for the, the x-ray and the ultrasound equipment and stuff. So you find you get sponsorship and stuff as well. But uh, 
but uh, yeah, it's full of a lot of awesome people who just really want to yeah. be there. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about the people that you work alongside. You touched on the, the various different professions and disciplines that are involved in it, but what were the people like that you got to spend the 10 days with? Well, again, you find because they're all volunteers and they don't have to do this, this is, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them are sort of just taking annual leave from their job to do this and be there, that they're just really keen to be there. So, and keen to learn and want to get to know what everybody else does and work. And they all tend to obviously have an interest in sport because mm-hmm. they're at a sporting event. <laughs> so you tend to find that you're with like-minded people, to be honest, you know. You're all keen to follow certain sports and working with the sports people and, you know, everybody's sort of like, oh, who did you treat and can I come in? Can I come in for your assessment? Can I come in and help? And can I learn from that? And so, yeah, they're, they're um, very sort of energetic sort of and also don't always just stick to their own job. You know, if, if somebody's needing boxes moved or, you know, an athlete's needing taken in a wheelchair round to somewhere, everybody just pitches in. Oh, that's good. Sounds like a real sense of camaraderie then between all the volunteers there. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just nice folk who are giving up their time for, for that sort of common good, if you like, you yeah. know, to be there. What about the accommodation? You mentioned that the athletes' village, well, there was no athletes' village and the accommodation was split across three different mm. locations. What was your accommodation like? That's one of the, uh, the things with, and why they tend to recruit from their own city. Um, because right, okay. accommodation is not easy to get and it's at your own expense. So Birmingham Commonwealth Games Committee, they did find some student accommodation, but you had to book it and pay for it yourself. So you could book in. So there were some people who, you know, were couch surfing and, and things for that or staying with friends and family around the area. I ended up in Coventry, in uh, Coventry University student accommodation uh, which was very basic I had to take my own bedding and my own cutlery and everything with me Um, but it was cheap and cheerful but what they do is if you're volunteering that your transport is all free so you could jump on any train or bus um, as soon as they saw that gorgeous orange and grey outfit I know you uh, spoke very highly of the uniform you had to wear mm, yeah So the, the, the outfit was very loud. Right. You couldn't miss us as volunteers. So, yeah, as soon as they saw you on the train station, they just opened the barriers. Oh, so, so that made, you know, it didn't really matter where you were staying. Transport was all free and um, you were able to use anything. To... What's Birmingham as a city like? I'm going down next month for a training seminar to learn more about TikTok, which I'm really looking forward to, to doing. But what's Birmingham like? I've never been. I have to say, I don't get TikTok. Listen, I mean, that, well, at the moment I don't get it, but let's see what happens okay. after this seminar. I know this isn't about TikTok, but I really don't get TikTok, <laughs> so tell me all about it when you get that. Uh, Birmingham as a city, um, as I said, it was awesome when I was there for the for the games. It was just so vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and every, I think it's there's quite a Glasgow feel around it. There's yeah. quite an industrial sort of feel around Birmingham. And because, the, I mean, as most train stations are, it's very central. So everything was around and just walking distance, really. So very easy to get around. As I say, I don't know if you see it in its true light when it's at these games because mm-hmm. everybody's just in a big party atmosphere. But um, So I went down a few times before the games. So they do interviews, and um, so it's not just you apply and mm-hmm. you get. You, you go down and you're interviewed for it. So I was down for interviews and also down for to get measured up for the lovely <laughs> uniform that they were giving us. And um, again, really friendly city. 
easy to, enough to get around. Uh, wasn't the cheapest, I have to say, for accommodation. Uh, uh, the student accommodation I had for the games was, but in general, mm-hmm. it's quite expensive. So uh, try and get into some student accommodation if you're going down for your TikTok. Excellent. Well, we've, we're staying over for one night, so maybe that's perhaps something. Oh, to, is right. it Coventry yeah. University student accommodation? Mm-hmm. Is that where to go? Okay. It's where to go. I'll, pa- I'll pass <laughs> that on. But Mandy, the first time you and I would have met each other at the university would have think it would be back in 2019. And this was on the eve of the Special Olympics World Summer Games where you and two students went over to provide podiatry support. Well, very similar to what you were doing at the Commonwealth Games. Talk a wee bit about that experience. Yeah, so that, that's kind of my passion, really. I mean, I like all the Commonwealth Games events and, and all the, the other events that I've done, but um, I'm one of the clinical directors for Special Olympics Great Britain. Ah, right, OK. So I've done that since 2005. I've been involved right. with the Special Olympics, again, on a voluntary basis. And it is a, it's a charitable organisation. So people think the Special Olympics, they get confused a bit with that and the Paralympics, where the Special Olympics is actually intellectual disability. OK. And it's not funded by the the International Olympics Committee. It's independent and it is a charitable organisation. It is international and it was founded back in 1968, it was, in the US by Eunice Kennedy Shriver. So it's been going on for a long time and it's spread across the world now. And so they have Special Olympics offices around the world and one of the games that we had in 2019 was in Abu Dhabi and it was the World uh, Summer Games. And GCU sponsored two of the students to come out with me to that, which was amazing yeah. and really exciting to be able to take students out to those games. And the thing is that it's actually quite different to doing the sort of Commonwealth Games in that we're actually not treating injury. Okay. What we're doing at those games is we're actually doing health screening. So it's much more about health inequalities. So it's about this population of intellectual disability and it's about looking at what are their health needs. And so we actually screen. So when I said to you that, you know, at the Commonwealth Games, I saw sort of five to ten a day. We were over in Abu Dhabi for a week and we saw over 2,000 athletes in a week. My goodness. So, I mean, it's massively different. We try and see as many athletes as we can and they come through and they go through a health screening. So we look at the health of their feet. So they don't have to have an injury or anything wrong with them. We just get them all through and we have a look. And it's about collecting data so that we can inform what the health needs are for that population. We can do research on that data and publish it. It's also about training students and healthcare professionals on what the health needs are for that population. So the volunteers that come along and work with us get a real feel for exactly internationally what are the health needs for this population. So it's quite different in that we're not treating. Um, It's more that sort of health screening that we're doing. And I mean, we do the foot health screening but there's opticians there doing the eyes there's audiologists doing ears there's physio doing uh, joint mobility you know so there's quite again a number of professions doing health screening mm-hmm. so we get a sort of overall view of the health needs for for that population that must have been an incredible opportunity for the two students that went with you i know awesome isn't it 
And the previous World Games were in LA and GCU supported me taking two students out oh, for amazing. that as well. So um, we got to take some students out to LA for the previous World Games as well. So Jeez, I wish um, I had a TikTok seminar in Los Angeles. I <laughs> 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 quite fancy that. So it was great. I mean, it's it's hard work. If, yeah, of course. You know, we're seeing yeah. over 2,000 athletes in a week, so it, it's, it's, it's busy, but it's, again, a bit like you were asking about the people we work with, the people who are involved with Special Olympics are all volunteers. So again, you're, you're with like-minded people who are all really keen to be there. So you just meet some amazing people. Um, so the students get to meet podiatrists from other countries as well as athletes. You know, they get to, to meet other podiatrists and stuff and really make connections um, sort of internationally, which is amazing for them. It's great listening to you talk about volunteering. It sounds like it's a, a real passion and it really does feed into the university's mission for the common good. Yeah. Do you know, it's not something that I really think about, uh, to be honest. <laughs> I got involved with the Special Olympics in 2005 and I think they always say when you get involved with the Special Olympics, that's you in. You get sucked in and you never get, <laughs> you never get spat back out again. You're sort of in. And, and it doesn't feel like hard work. It, it is just a lovely thing to be involved in and you almost feel rather than you're doing good for them, you just feel, you know, that you can't wait for the next event. You know, it's it's it feels like a treat to be allowed to be involved with them. Um, so these sorts of events, I actually feel really privileged that I can go. And the fact that I'm able to take students um, is amazing. I mean, we were talking there about the World Games, but we have National Games as well. And with those, I take the, the university minibus and I fill it. And there's like 16, 17 students come down Super. to, we've been in Bath, we've been in Leicester, we've been in Manchester, we've been all over doing national games. And the students all just come down with me on the bus and, and help. So it's been amazing to to have that, that we can sort of get the students involved with, with those athletes. And sort of learning disabilities isn't sort of taught in isolation on our programme, but this is a way of sort of bringing it in, um, that sort of learning disability, intellectual disability, um, sort of type of population in and what their specific communication needs Mm -hmm. are and their health needs as well. So it's, it's, it's a nice way to bring it in, in a sort of informal way, in a fun way for the students. How long have you been at university for? I joined here in 2008. Right, okay. Yeah, I came from an NHS background. I was a... Dare I say a manager in the, in the <laughs> NHS? Um, so yeah, and then I, I came over to 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 university in two thousand and eight. Have the last fourteen years been here? Eventful. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say never two the same? Um, which is the nice thing. Um, so yeah, it's I've. I've loved being here. Um, it's been the opportunities that you can get, you know, oh, the yeah. support that they give me doing these events is amazing. And just the energy from the students around it is, mm-hmm. is also really good. And at the moment, you, in fact, just we're about to start recording this podcast, you mentioned you're working on a PhD. How's that going? Well, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a PhD part-time. Um, I'm looking at runners with okay. high-arched feet. So again, back into the sports world. Um, so I'm interested in uh, different foot types and how they perform in running. And a lot of people, and as have I in research, looked at flat feet. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to be interested in the flat foot or the pronated foot, for, for those who know the jargon. Um, <laughs> and most runners do, but very few people look at high-arched feet. And I work in the, a clinic, a GCU clinic at Hamden, and a lot of the runners that I get in are, are actually high-arched feet. So I'm doing some research looking at that, so I'm doing my PhD on that. So what are the drawbacks then of having high arched feet as a runner? Well, the the lack of shock absorbency, so you tend to find they are a more rigid foot type. 
So you find that there, there's trainers that are made for people with lowered arched feet. You know, you get the antiprenatory shoe and things in the shop, but there isn't anything for the high arched foot. You know, so it's, it's the sort of mist, um, it's the poor cousin, if you like, <laughs> of, of the foot type. So, yeah, it tends to be a different injury set. You tend to get more bony type injuries. Or maybe I'll tell you when I finish my PhD, <laughs> because that's what I'm going to be looking at. So I'll come back to you on that. But, yeah, it's expected that they get more sort of bony type injuries, mm-hmm. where the flat foot gets more soft tissue okay. type injuries. Are there any volunteering projects on the horizon? Well, the next World Games for the Special Olympics is in Munich next year. So right. it would be lovely to, to get back out um, on the road and go out to do the World Games in Munich next year, next summer. Uh, so it would be great if we can take some students out to that one as well. Excellent. It sounds like a fantastic opportunity. And yeah. if they're going, it sounds like they'll be going with the perfect person as well to really give them the support that they need for the next stage in their career. That's if I survive the PhD. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mandy, it was absolutely fantastic to talk to you. Thanks very much for taking the time out to speak to me. Oh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would, but I have enjoyed Excellent, it. excellent. <laughs> for, for anyone else that, that has ever rebuffed me for doing one of these podcasts, and you know who you are, Listen to Mandy's endorsement. You have a great time here. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd also like to thank everyone for tuning into this episode and I hope you'll join us again very soon when we'll be talking with another member of the GCU community about their research, their career and a lot more. The views expressed in the Common Good podcast are those of the participant and don't necessarily represent the views of Glasgow Caledonian University. Please subscribe to this podcast. You can get every episode sent straight to your listening device by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or everywhere else. So, until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer, and this has been the Common Good Podcast.